0: Well, at first um, look, I'm looking at the Romans chapter 8 passage, and at first glance, um, it seems a really strange passage because today is Trinity Sunday. And um, it should be a reading for Pentecost because if you look at that reading, it's about the Holy Spirit, it's about being led by the Spirit. But the Spirit cannot be separated from the Father or the Son. For a start, the Spirit here is described as the Spirit, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of Christ. And we're told that the Spirit is the Spirit of adoption. If we're led by this Spirit, we are adopted into God's family. We are not... In our human fallen state children of God not children in that special way but when the Spirit of God the Spirit of Christ comes into our lives when we receive the Spirit we are born again or we're born from above by the Spirit and we become adopted children in the family of God And as people who have the Spirit, that means that we have all the privileges of being sons and daughters of God. And it also means that we are one family, which why, it's really good, I know we normally have this service on Pentecost, but it's really good to have it, a joint service on Trinity Sunday. And now we're beginning to think about the Trinity, please, the Trinity is not a problem to be solved, but a relationship to be lived. Western theology often begins with the unity of God. We say we have one God, and then we try to work out how that one God can be three people at the same time. And as a result, we usually end up with things like then diagrams, you know, circles, or this one's actually quite good, but it's very complicated, um, but, it, but it's very true. <coughs> or we end up with the uh, three-leafed clovers. And actually, well, let's put it this way. It's a bit confusing. I'm asking you to forgive me I'm going to show a short excerpt from the film, Nuns on the Run. Two crooks have being chased by people who want to kill them. They've fled into this convent and they've dressed up as nuns in order to keep themselves safe. One of them is about to have to give a lesson on the Trinity. Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The three are no, one. Like a sham, my old priest used to say. Three leaves, but one leaf. Now, the Father sent down the Son, who was love. And then when he right. went, he sent down the Holy Spirit, who came down with the form of what, a, You told me already, a ghost. No, doubt The was a ghost. No, the ghost was a devil. And let me try and summarize this. God is his Son, and his Son is God. But the moonlights, as a Holy Ghost, a Holy Spirit, and a dove, And they all send each other, even though they're all one and the same thing. Well, I'm, I apologise if you couldn't quite hear so clearly, but um, uh, there you have it. The sort of the knots that we tie ourselves up in. Well, Eastern theology, which I have to say is becoming much more mainstream in the West, begins where the Bible begins with, the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it asks how they can be one. It begins with the try and adds unity on. And um, the most well-known illustration of this is Rublev's absolutely inspirational icon of the Trinity. Three persons seated round a table. The Father dressed in gold, the Son dressed in red with the priest stole, the, the Holy Spirit dressed in green. And um, they all have the same face because they're all the same age. They're all holding the scepter of authority. You can't see it, you, um, although if you go to the Goth Gallery, you can see it. Uh, and they're all wearing blue, the blue of royalty. Uh, and um, they are seated in this communion, in this circle, with the Son and the Spirits. their head inclined to the Father, and the Father blessing us through the Spirit, through the Son and the Spirit. It's been popularised in Western literature um, by William Young in his book, The Shack. Can I ask, has anybody read that? Has anybody come across that? Several hands have gone up. It is, it is a quite inspirational book, and I really would commend it. It's called The Shack by William Young. Or also somebody like Timothy Keller, um, who in his book, The Reason for God, talks about the dance of God. Uh, Again, it is a lovely, lovely theme. You see, the point here is that we're not trying to define what is the nature, what's the essence that makes them one God, but we're looking at them as three persons who are in relationship with each other. And we're looking at that relationship. Um, I'm really, really sorry, but could I ask my three non-volunteers... So come on out here. Thank you very much indeed. Would you mind just sort of standing back behind me there um, and um, I'll sort of call you forward if I. So what we have is the father who is the source of life for the son. Chris, would you mind just being the father? And and Glenn, would you mind just being the Son? Come over there. The Father is the source of life for the Son. He loves the Son. He delights in the Son. At Jesus' baptism and transfiguration, the voice from heaven says, This is my Son, my beloved in whom I delight. He will give the Son all things. Thank you. And we're obviously talking here about a reality that is bigger than language and our logic, because the Son is the Son of the Father, and there has never been a time when he has not been the Son. And the Son is the heir of the Father, even though there will never be a time when the Father is not. But because the Father delights in the Son, he shares all that he has with the Son, and he seeks glory for his son. He wants everybody to see how amazing and how wonderful his son is. He wants the whole creation to see that. And the son loves the father. Although he is eternally equal with the father, when he becomes a human being, he humbled himself and became obedient to the father. So obedient that he was even prepared to be crucified. And the son delights in the father. Every word that his father speaks to him is a joy to him. And because they are so united, what he speaks and what he does is what the father would speak and what the father would do. You see, they have the same spirit. And because the son delights in the father, he seeks the glory of the Father. He wants everybody to know, the whole of creation to know how utterly amazing and wonderful the Father is. It, it, it is, it is Father-Son, that parental relationship. It's two people delighting in each other, declaring the praises of each other. And one could say, if we're following a human analogy, that it's a little bit exclusive. Father, reaching out to Son, and Son, reaching out to Father. But actually, it's not just about two, it's about three, the Holy Spirit. And we've already spoken of the Spirit. The Spirit comes from the Father, but is also in the Son. And the Spirit is sent to us... I need my notes here so I can follow my my own logic. The Spirit is sent to us by the Son. And um, where are we? (laughs) That's the problem with doing all this walking about. (laughs) Uh, And and the Spirit is is, is sent to us. Um, uh, And the Spirit... Loves the Father, and the Spirit loves the Son, and the Spirit wants to see the Son glorified, and the Spirit wants to see the Father glorified. But also, the Spirit longs to draw people to the Father and to the Son, and through the Spirit. So you see, what we have here is—I'm sorry, this is the embarrassing bit. Would the three of you could just—could you hold out just a moment or two? (laughs) Could the three of you just give a really big hug? So you have three people there. A big hug, now is that three or is that one? It could be one, it could be three, but actually what's happens is the spirit who's there, hold on to there, invites and pulls somebody else into that relationship and the spirit goes. And call somebody else into that relationship and the spirit goes and calls somebody else into that relationship and the spirit goes until we get everybody there <laughs> into that relationship because and this is uh, uh, this is an open hug because and I'm finally getting back to our passage the spirit who comes from the father who is sent by the Son of God, who is now in glory, comes to us and invites each one of us to join the Son in the embrace of the Father. Thank you very much indeed. You'll be very relieved to know that (laughs) that you may go back to your seat. (laughs) What that means is that if we're led by the Spirit, if the Spirit of the Father and of Christ lives in us, we are now living here in this relationship. And it has some pretty big consequences for us here and now. First of all, if we're led by the Spirit, we are children of God. And firstly, it means we can live like the eternal Son of God. Remember, Father, Son, Son who delights in the Father. We can live through the Spirit like the Son. So then, brothers and sisters, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. It's not said in the passage, but it's implied. We'll want to be obedient to the Father, We'll want to read his word because these are his father's words. We'll want to come to church to meet with God's people, to share in this communion. We'll want to draw others into this hug. And because we are led by the Spirit, because the Spirit of Christ is in us, we're no longer to be controlled by slavery or fear. Verse 15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you watched, received a spirit of adoption. Last week, Alison and myself went to watch Bizet's Carmen. It's a brilliant, brilliant opera. The music is great. It's a very simple story. The sergeant, the soldier, is infatuated by Carmen. He's enslaved by his desire for her and by his fear of losing her. But Carmen is also driven. She's enslaved by forces that are far greater than her, the desire to be loved and the fear of of being trapped. And we're enslaved by our desires and driven by our fears, Lest our love is lost, our identity becomes meaningless, our freedom becomes imprisonment, our status becomes shame, and our comfort turns into pain. But in place of that, we have a new way of living, where we find identity and freedom in our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We discover that this is who I was meant to be and yes because we are here if you like in this hug and because together with the son we delight in the father and we long to see glory come to the father think of the prayer we pray our father in heaven hallowed glorified be your name we will be prepared to suffer for his sake verse 17 And if we're not prepared to suffer for his sake, if we're not prepared to put ourselves out for him, then it does mean we need to question whether we're actually yet part of this hug. And secondly, we have intimacy with the Father. We can call God Abba, which means dear Father. There's so much could be said here But all that I'll focus on here is to say that prayer is a discipline and a duty. It's something that we have to force ourselves to do because the old self-reliant, God-rebelling nature is pretty deeply rooted in us. But prayer can also be an utter delight and totally liberating. The Curé of ours, whoever he was, tells the story of the old man who used to sit for hours in church. They asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm saying my prayers. And they said to him, you must have a lot of prayers to say because you're there for so long. And he replied, no, most of the time, he looks at me and I look at him. And I do hope you put aside time regularly daily to pray, that is a discipline and I guess is part of the suffering with him. But I also pray you've begun to discover a little bit of the intimacy of being in the Trinity and of the delightance of simply being with the Son together with the Father. And thirdly and finally, we have an astonishing hope. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. All that belongs to the Father, everything in creation, every gift, every blessing, every object, and every person, He has given to the Son. And as people who, through the Spirit, have come to the Son and share in this hug, all things belong to us. They are part of us, just as we are part of them. We're responsible for them and for each other, just as the manager of a company is responsible to his board and shareholders for the management of the company. The word that's often used is that we're to be stewards of creation. Why? Because they belong to the Father, they belong to the Son, and in the Son, through the Spirit, they belong to us. The hug of the Father, Son, and Spirit is the eternal hug. It is bigger than death. If you're part of this hug then, unless you're like Enoch and Elijah, of course you will die physically. But you will never really die. That's why we're told the meek will inherit the earth. It's why we're told that our destiny is that in the kingdom we will rule this creation together with christ my brothers and sisters in christ in the tri-unity father son and holy spirit we really do have a glorious calling an intimate relationship and a wonderful destiny amen